Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ignited Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Lawrence. I believe people and culture are the single greatest competitive advantage in any business. This podcast is a weekly dose of inspiration and practical how-to strategies for transforming the way we learn, grow, and perform at work. So get ready. You're about to learn from the best learning leadership experts on the planet. Let's get after it. On this episode of Ignited Learning, we have an amazing leadership transition and career coach, Mr. Harry Marshall. Harry is based in Singapore and works across Asia Pacific with clients at two key stages in their careers. Their first move into managing people and later when they move into senior leadership at the functional country and regional level. In this episode, Harry's going to be giving us an inside look how coaches work with emerging leaders. We're going to be talking about how clients can reflect, take a step back so that they can gain massive momentum for achieving the results they want. And at the same time, Harry drops some real valuable insight into self-coaching yourself, whether you need a little bit of clarity or perhaps you're stuck. He offers some really useful tips on how to get after what you want. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Harry to Ignited Learning. Harry, great to have you on the show. Um, I'm absolutely honored that you're here, my friend. Great to be here. Thank you, Steve, for having me. So, Harry, I know you are a world-class coach, and you work with leaders that are first moving into the people management space or working with uh, first-time leaders moving into a more senior management role. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, the work that you're currently doing? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. So my coaches typically are people at two really exciting, what I consider to be very exciting, but really you know key points in their career. So one when they're first moving into people management for the first time, and then later when they're moving into broader, more senior leadership, say running a department or heading up a country or even the region. So my coaches are... are you know, and that very energetic space of being very excited and, um, you know, being very aware of, you know, the responsibility they're taking on. And it's a really exciting time for them. And I love to work with them in, in that way. Um, but it's really that, you know, my coaching practice is called Next Level Coaching and Consulting because it's about how, we're, how, how I'm helping people to get to the next level or help them land once they have gotten to the next level. Mm. Why do you do what you do? The people I coach and in, in the circumstances in which I coach them, are they, they speak very sort of closely to, they resonate with my own experience. So um, I came from a, you know, a, a corporate background. I worked in the HR talent acquisition or outsourcing space, um, had a you know, 17 plus year career um, managing large teams, in multiple countries, lots of complexity. And I actually moved from being an individual contributor to a manager, to a manager of managers, to a, a senior regional leader in, in a relatively short period of time. And, um, you know, I had a great job. I had a great job working with, in a great company with great people. But, you know, I look back and I think, God, you know, if I had had a coach during those transitions, 
you know, I think I would have been unstoppable, really. <laughs> I would have mm. just really gone for it, you know, and, and some of those transitions might have been let, you know, a bit smoother than, the, than they were. You know, and this wasn't that long ago. And really coaching, I don't think I ever even came across the term coaching, really. Mm. Um, so it goes to show how much sort of the coaching profession has developed and how organizations are recognizing it as a, as a useful tool for development. Um, but you know, in that in that career that I had, I, I I sort of learned. Looking back, I learned I learned two key things about myself. One was that I really loved the people piece. You know, I loved working with people one on one. I was a mentor. I was you know, I reviewed promotions. Um, I designed and delivered training, both for myself and for other people in the business. And I loved watching people grow and develop and step up and and see their lives develop really you know mm-hmm. it's a really wonderful thing to um to witness um and the other thing i i loved was or the other thing i learned was yeah if i had had a coach you know my journey would have you know might have been quite different or would have maybe even accelerated even faster so when i coach um you know emerging and established leaders who are sort of having those of experiences it resonates very deeply with me that energy that they're feeling excitement but also anxiety and they're stepping up and they're building up building up their skills and their careers are growing and they're taking on more responsibility they feel the gravitas of of how Mm. they're moving up you know i i resonate with that very deeply and what are your coaches most excited about before they start their transition they're most excited about, I think, developing their own skills, become mastery, become mastery of their own uh, careers, um, especially for those who are, you know, stepping into people management roles for the first time. It's typical that they would have been working in the job or the industry they've been working in for quite some time. They've been working mm-hmm. very hard and they would know that, you know, stepping into manager team is something very important to them. So I think they're most excited about taking on that additional responsibility and feeling like they're stepping up and being recognized for being um, a trusted person to lead others. Mm, mm. And these people that are going through transitions, what do you think they need most? What has their attention? What are they seeking uh, from a coaching engagement? So they're seeking uh, guidance, typically. Um, you know, how do I do this? I'm, co- I'm managing a team of people and some of them are very different to me. Or maybe I'm managing people in a different country, in a mm. different cultural context. Um, there's a lot of sort of how do I do things. Um, it's not so much about what they're doing. It's about how they're doing it and their mindset about how they approach um, leading others. So really... We, a coachee might come in saying, I'm now leading a team of however many people. I need to know all the things I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And one mm-hmm. of the first things I do is sort of say, well, let's, let's pause for a second and let's look inward. Let's mm-hmm. get some understanding about who you are as a leader. Mm-hmm. What is your leadership style? And often that sort of throws people. People sort of go, well, I, I sort of think I'm fair and... Um, I like to be very organized and people find it difficult to articulate what their style is. And really the first step, you know, you can Google all the things that a manager should do to effectively manage a team. But in order to be an effective leader, it starts with looking in and understanding yourself. And really that's um, 
what I help coaches do as we're starting off. So they come into a coaching session, I think, sort of expecting to be, you know, wound up like a toy. Here's all the, here's all the energy <laughs> off you go. But actually I say, well, let's stop and let's focus on you because you are now in a position of responsibility and you are in a position where others look to you for guidance and advice and leadership. And the best way you are going to start on that journey is by understanding yourself the most. Mm. And stopping and reflecting is so powerful. But do many people really do that on a regular basis? Well, they don't. And that's, um, that's often the challenge, especially with, um, you know, more senior leaders. Um, and I think, you know, you look at where we are at the world today, you know, we are living through some of the most unprecedented, most disruptive times of really probably our entire lives. And um, at the best of times, um, you know, the best of times, life is complicated. Right? Yes. If you are living in a busy metropolis and you've got a corporate career and you've got kids at home and parents that need looking after and a, and a life of your own to live, your life is full and yeah. um, complicated. Yeah. Um, and then you layer in COVID-19 and you layer in um, political situation in Hong Kong and you layer in economic downturn. You know, it's very quickly people can and are becoming somewhat overwhelmed with managing the, let alone the day-to-day, -day, but the current, you know, exceptional circumstances. Um, <clears throat> and what I often say to people is, you know, how are you building time in your busy schedule for you? You know, where in your diary is the time for you to stop and think and reflect? And almost everyone says they don't, they don't have time. But then they also tell me at the end of a coaching session, this has been so helpful because I don't have time to think about all of this stuff, right? I was um, coaching a, a, a very senior lady this week um, <clears throat> who I asked her at the end of the session, you know, what about this has been helpful for you? And she said, I know all of this stuff. It's not necessarily that it's difficult, but I never get the hour to just sit and talk it through and talk it out and have someone like you to sort of challenge some of my assumptions or my limiting beliefs and just to get it out of my head. Mm. And it sounds often like a not terribly groundbreaking thing, but it's the feedback that I get quite often is it's that that's so powerful, especially in these current times, especially for um, you know, busy senior leaders. Absolutely. When you spend time with your clients to stop and reflect, what are some of the common limiting beliefs or roadblocks that get in the way or might get in the way of them being successful in their new transition? There's a few things. So one is people holding themselves to an, an impossibly high standard. Mm. You know, this notion of perfectionism, people being quite unkind to themselves. Right. Mm. I need to be on top of this 100% of the time. I need to be doing a perfect job. I need to lead the team and I need to do that. And what that results in is anxiety. What that results in is self-doubt. What that mm. results in is burnout. Yeah. And it's, of course, un unsustainable. So <laughs> we've got, you know, in the world today, we have a lot of incredibly hardworking, very capable people who do not necessarily connect with um, or appreciate actually how effective they're being 
Wow, that's really <laughs> that's really powerful. It's it's focusing on your strengths and just acknowledging yourself. You- and also, especially in the current time, these these times are exceptional and exceptionally challenging. You know, we all need to give ourselves a little bit of a break, a bit of a you know, give give ourselves some slack, because the leaders who I'm speaking to who are leading teams, they're the first to say. I need to protect my team and I need to give them some latitude and they don't do that for themselves. Mm. As a coach, how do you help people get to the crux of the issue? Um, The crux of the concern or the fear or the anxiety? How how do you help them to, uh, to identify what's really going on? The thing that I find that is the most, the most helpful is to really help a coachee sort of step outside of themselves. Mm. Right. And really, one of the key actions of a leader is to step away from the detail, from the day-to-day, especially when you're moving into senior leadership. You can't mm. be in all the detail. You can't be in the, all of the data and the facts and everything all of the time. Um, and that can be a, a difficult you know, bridge to cross for people moving into sort of higher levels of leadership, but they need to sort of step away. So often, you know, in the beginning of a session, I can tell that, say, a coach is very stressed and anxious and feeling very you know bogged down and you know the energy i can feel is very very weighted i'll say let's just take a breath and let's just step away from what's going on right now um you know the coaches who are listening and you will know this steve you know that the this notion of stepping on the balcony and looking down onto the town square Mm -hmm. it sounds silly but often when i invite coaches to do that they say Oh, that's really helpful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking down on all of this drama. <laughs> I can see what's going on now and I'm in the middle of it. I'm right in the middle of it and I need to sort of step back. So um, externalizing is, I think is so powerful to help people look at things from outside of themselves. And if I could just add, add on to your thought, I, I love the analogy of a, a park bench. Mm-hmm. I think far too often in the coaching industry, we tend to focus on goals, the future outcome, but the park bench is representative of what do you need most right now? Mm-hmm. Where are you at now? Because the truth is the people we coach, they're on a development journey before they meet us and they're on a development journey after they meet us. Absolutely. So what do you need right now that is going to um, help you move the needle or help you get after what you want? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, as a coach, we're bearing witness to where they're at and, and what they need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the you know, key roles of a coach is to, is to, cut, is to help the coach cut through the noise or simplify the mm. noise. Um, you know, you can, be working with, you can be working with coaches who come out with an enormous amount of detail and facts about what's happening in their world today or this week or whatever. And for me to sit there and go, okay, so what I've heard here is that's happening and this is happening and you're feeling that way. Um, And that in itself can be quite freeing. And I've had people say, how do you do that? Yes, it is just that. Now you say it like that. (laughs) And, you know, there's nothing special about me doing that. It's just because I'm on the outside looking in or hearing. Well, also because you're you're also radically present to, to where they're at. If I'm a leader, that has lots of noise. And I think a lot of us do today. How do I cut through that noise to identify what's really going on with me? What's the crux of the issue? And what do I need most? 
you know, so, you know, a lot of leaders don't have access to coaches, but if I was to kind of self-coach myself, what would you recommend? Well, I think, um, you know, you could self-coach to say, right, let's remove myself from the situation and take a step back and look down as a third party almost on the Mm. situation that's going on. Who's there? What situations are playing? What emotions are there? What assumptions are making? That's, you know, that's, that can be a fairly effective technique to do and do by yourself. The crux of the matter, George Colbrees, um, Professor George Colbrees, that many will um, be aware of, had this notion of the um, of gutting the fish on the table, right? And it's often sort of you know talked about in terms of conflict with two people, right? So if we're in, if we're in conflict, let's get the issue, the fish on the table, and let's gut it, and let's see, let's really get into the issue, what's heart of the heart of the matter, and the process of doing that could be quite bloody and messy. But if you never get the fish on the table, it will stay underneath and it will become a smelly mess, right? It's a sort of a similar thing. It's sort of, you know, being quite strict with yourself to under, to think of a, an issue that's causing you distress or something that you're feeling is very complex and hard to rationalize, hard to understand. Just sort of boil it down to sort of constituent parts, right? And so the simple parts, what is this fish on the table? What is it about this thing that's causing me um, you know, distress or anxiety. For your leaders in transition, mm. what normally causes the most anxiety? So as I'm thinking about that, the, you know, I coach people from different industries, wildly different industries, people who, who, who work in different countries and, you know, they're wildly diverse. But often the, um, the issues that we focus on, there is a common theme. Mm. And it's around sort of engaging, motivating, and influencing others. Um, And I would say that the vast majority of, um, you know, leaders, whether they're, you know, senior leaders in in large broad roles or um, sort of stepping into that for for the first time, there's a lot of, there's often a lot of of negative self-talk about how they're showing up as a leader. Am I being credible? How do I engage someone who might be very different from me? Mm. And corporate, corporate um, structures are becoming ever more complex. So mm. the typical matrix structure is not going anywhere away anytime soon. If anything, it's getting more complex. So this um, and, and, and also, you know, more flat structures. So one thing that I'm finding that people are struggling with is how they're engaging and motivating people who may sit outside their immediate team, sit outside their immediate structure, managing people who don't actually report to them. So a lot of people want to figure out the how. Mm. How do I lead and influence with impact? And Mm. I know that's something that you explore in your coaching sessions. What are some of the behavioral shifts that people embrace to kind of achieve the results they want? I would say it is leading and acting with greater courage. Mm. I would say that's the probably the biggest one. So courage is, um, you know, courage is so vital for how we move forward with anything, really. Yeah. Right. So, and also, if you think about, you know, what does being a leader mean? Being a leader means sort of being, you know, is leading from the front, going places where other people haven't been before. Yes. You know, and where you haven't, where you go somewhere where you haven't been before, that's scary, you know, and yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's leaders who who lean into that and go for it anyway. And so often 
people can be very aware of. I need to be doing this and I'm not sure about how I'm going to engage this person or um, I want to be more visible with this group of people or I need to you know, develop my profile. Um, but I'm worried about what my people might think. I'm worried about not coming across well. I'm worried about these things. Sure, absolutely. These are all valid, cons valid concerns, but they won't change unless you sort of move through that. So, and if you are to be a leader and you wish to develop and grow and step up the ladder and lead others, you have to get used to feeling that vulnerability, feeling that discomfort and going with it anyway. I will say to coaches and say, if you could be more courageous, if I could give you an infinite amount of courage right this moment, what would you do? They go, oh, well, I would apply for the job, but I apply for the promotion. I would ask for a pay rise. I would put my hand up for that next big project. Oh, well, there you go. Right. What so a great really, question. Right. So really, you know, the absence of courage is what's holding many people back. Well, the, op the opposite of courage is, is fear, right? Right, yeah. And, and so is it fair to say that the number one thing that stops people from being successful in their new role of a leader really probably is fear, fear of, fear of failure, fear of what other people might think, fear of not being good enough? It's not that it's fear, it's the inaction because of the fear. So what I say to people is it's okay to feel fear, it's okay to be uncomfortable, it's okay to be vulnerable. But if you choose to not work past that, then you won't get anywhere, right? Mm. You know, I feel fearful and, and, and lacking in courage every day, right? Mm. Various mm. things that go on and situations I find myself in. And sometimes I don't act on that and sometimes I do, right? It's a, it, acknowledging that you will feel fear and you will be uncomfortable is fine. But you have a choice and you have a choice to work through it and go for it anyway. And that's more important. I love the idea of acknowledging your fear, but also naming it. And I think when you do the stop and reflect, you can identify what that barrier is. And if you can, if you can name it, then you can claim it. How can you get people to take action in the face of fear? That's a great question. And I, um, I think it's about feeling really about being very connected with your feeling and also thinking rationally. So often, you know, fear and vulnerability and feeling uncomfortable, these are not necessarily pleasant things. So we don't acknowledge them, we ignore them, we push them away, we distract ourselves to move away from those feelings. What I would say is, um, if you are confronted with a situation, or maybe there's an opportunity, or you're holding yourself back, um, and you are feeling that fear, sit with it and go, uh-huh, yeah, I'm feeling this fear. And I know why, because I'm worried about what these people will think. And I'm worried it might not work out. Or I'm worried these people will say no. Or I'm worried, you know, I won't win the work. Whatever it is, you know, just sort of sit and acknowledge that is what's feeding that fear. And then it's a, you know, a, a, an act of mindfulness to then be intentional enough to go, sure, okay. I'm packaging that now in the box and I'm putting that at the back of the room and I'm making the decision to move forward anyway. Why? Because I know I need to, I have a responsibility to actually the payoff is greater than the fears in the box. Right? So it's about acknowledging and sitting with how you're feeling and then being intentional about how you move forward. Do baby steps with clients kind of mm. give them a, 
sense of success, kind of a little micro breakthrough so that they can build momentum? Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's a, a, a quite a well-known sort of coaching techniques to say, if you were to make one step, take one step right now, just one small thing right now that you could do, what would it be? And again, that's sort of helping, and I talked about simplifying earlier, that's helping people sort of break down, you know, the task at hand or the big thing that they have to do and just going, okay, well, what if it was just one thing, just one thing before the end of the day that you could do that would make you feel that you had moved forward in some way. You know, and people go, oh, okay, well, well, maybe I could just send an email to the head of finance to ask them about the budget. Maybe I could just do that. Right? Simple, quick thing. Right, so you're on your way. And then what would be the thing after that? And that's often the challenge that, you know, anybody, leaders or not, are facing is that they're overwhelmed by the task at hand or the responsibility at hand. Mm. And if we can just say, okay, it's an enormous rock. If you could just chip and get a little piece knocked off, what would that look like? Mm. So, um, so yeah, so again, sort of breaking things down and just saying, mm. if it's one small little thing that you could do today right now, what would it be? And then, of course, the follow-on is, is, okay, well, if you did send that email to the head of finance and you got some information about the budget, how would you feel about that? You know, what would you be telling yourself? Well, I would feel like I'm on a momentum and I'd feel like I was getting somewhere and it would probably spark me to... Um, to move on to the next thing. Great. And then that's how we build the momentum. And, and I, lo I love that concept of momentum because when you get a success, when you get a win, that fundamentally changes your psychology about how, what you believe about yourself in terms of your, your capabilities or your potential. So it's like this self-fulfilling cycle. The, the more steps you take and successful results you have, the stronger belief in you have, and then you can unleash more of your natural potential within and then apply that for even more baby steps. Yeah, so it's absolutely. like this, it's like the spiraling up, right? Absolutely. And often um, a coach, only just needs to be sort of like reset into that sort of dynamic, right? So they're stuck and they're overwhelmed and they're looking at this huge rock in front of them that they just cannot shift or move. But actually take a step back. Let's look at it from a bit further away. Actually, the rock doesn't look so big from over here. Mm okay, I think I can tackle it. I think I'll just look at this bit of it first and chip away at that, you know, and that can be all it takes to sort of get them, get them moving again. How do you help your clients gain different perspectives on how to chip away at that rock or to, to move it? How do you, how do you build perspective? I'm always curious about a coach's, um, you know, landscape, you know, who else, who are the other players? Because, you know, mm. I'm always conscious that, yes, I'm coaching one person in a room or on a Zoom call, but that person is one person of many in a dynamic of, you know, maybe hundreds or thousands in an organization. They're part of a family. So I'm always curious about who the other players are in the, in the scene okay. and how those people are reacting um, and interacting with the person I'm coaching. So I will ask, you know, you have a, a team of reports or you have these key stakeholders you've mentioned, or you have a client that you're, you're, you're supporting. If I were to go and talk to all of those people right now, you know, what would be the theme of what they're hearing and seeing from you? Mm. Let's take an example. And this come, this one comes up often is, you know, um, leaders who are feeling guilt that they're not giving their team enough time. Mm. 
I feel very guilty that I'm just not there for them and I'm in meetings all day and something happened last week and I wasn't there for them. You know, I hear these things very often and I say, okay, okay. If I were to speak to your three team members or however many team members now, what would they say about you as a leader? And be honest, be very honest. And then they sort of go back and go, well, I suppose they would say that I'm actually quite supportive and, you know, I, I'm always there for them really. And so it, it's um, helping them again sort of step into the shoes of those who are working with them, whether it's stakeholders or team members or clients, because um, that's very important. We have to, you know, understand the perspective of others. Harry, what are you, what are you working on now and what's lighting you up? Well, I have recently launched a, a short course, uh, a program that lasts for 12 weeks. It's called Better Boss Leadership Fundamentals, starts on the, uh, on the 5th of August. So I'm very focused on that at the moment. So designing the content and, and filling the spaces. Um, yeah, so it's six live webinars and coaching with me. Um, and we're going to be looking at a, a series of fundamental leadership concepts. So coaching is one of them, coaching for performance, um, uh, presentation and storytelling, understanding leadership awareness, uh, understanding your leadership style, communication skills and dialogue and so on. So, yeah, so that's my, my next big project. Oh, excellent. And, and who is that program geared for? It's geared to people who have um, recently moved into maybe a leadership position, whether it's, you know, leadership position for the first time, or maybe you've been in, in leadership for a while, but you've stepped up in some way, leading a bigger team or a, a bigger region or whatever. Um, or it could be, it could also be people who are eyeing up that promotion to step up for the first time. So it's targeted at people who, um, who may have recently moved into a leadership position, be it for the first time or you know, later down in, in their career, and want to spend some time and understand that they need to sort of focus on some key skills and behaviors and also mindsets that sort of really position them as, as effective leaders. Hmm. If I'm a new leader and I have a brand new team and I want to be successful, what would you recommend I would recommend, um, yeah, I mean, quite a few things, really. So, I, um, it's a big question. It's a big. It is a big question. What comes to mind the most? I think you know, be humble. You know, never stop learning, right? And never stop learning about yourself, right? I think that was that is a key thing for mm. um, in, in when I'm speaking with with coaches and when they're coming up with challenges and say you're having this challenge or you're reacting to it in some way or there's a limiting belief what is it about that you know what has what has triggered that um you know so looking inward is is very is very important i think being um being kind to yourself giving yourself some space it doesn't happen overnight and as we've mentioned you know it can be uncomfortable and it will be uncomfortable and it will be scary and things will go wrong but you know you will overcome them, and you will you will get there um, by being persistent and by being mm. um, you know leaning into that vulnerability. I would say also it's very important to ask and be bold about what it is you want. So if you are wanting to step up into leadership or to run a team for the first time or get the big regional job you have to tell someone that's what you want, right? Mm. Um, and I have a, an example from my own experience where many years ago, I, I had a new boss. Um, she, she was new to Singapore. She, she, was, she transferred internally in the business, but she moved to Singapore. 
and we had uh, we had lunch and we talked about the job and we got to know each other and we got on very very well and at the end she said okay well what can I do for you as your manager and I said well actually thank you for asking that because I want this year to be the year. I want a top performance rating and I want to get promoted. And I know there's stuff I don't do very well. <laughs> and mm, I know there's mm. some things I don't even know how to do at all, but mm. I really want to work on that. And she went, okay, sure. All right, let's work on that. And through the year, she did call me out a few times and said, you know how you want that top performance rating? Mm. That thing you did last week wasn't very good. You need to work on that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Here's an opportunity for you to level up your skills um and i remember that so clearly because for, you know it just built enormous trust i i felt that she was sort of on my side she absolutely made me work for it but i did i got to the end and i got to the end of the year and i got promoted so my takeaway for that is if you want to step up and you want to start leading and you want to develop your leadership career you have to be clear that that's what you want but also don't forget to ask that question for the people that you're leading you have to be clear and you have to ask for what you want. Absolutely. And then also as leaders, you know, we are in the job of leading others, which means that we're in the job of developing others. It's not just about advancing your own career. You need to be actively advancing the careers of others. Mm. So being intentional to ask that question, say, well, where do you want to go? How can I help you get to where you want to go? Because I'm a few rungs up the ladder. So I've got a bit of a clearer vision than you. And, you know, I can help pull you up. I think it's such an important question because mm. it builds loyalty, it builds trust, it builds, um, you know, safety, which is so crucial for, uh, for people to be successful. I, I love that. So not only as an individual are you asking for what you want, you know, once you have your, you know, having clarity and asking for what you, what, what you want, but also recognizing that a lot of people don't ask. So as a leader, creating the conditions where you kind of can have that conversation with other people by saying, how might I support you best? So kind of inviting them to ask. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I was very fortunate. I worked for a very forward thinking um, company in this respect. And the way leaders were assessed was to what extent are they, are they developing the next generation of leaders in the business? You know, it wasn't good enough to just put in your budget and you'd met the budget. It wasn't good enough that all your team had a great performance rating. You know, you, we had to go into our performance re reviews with specifics around this is what I have done to increase the capability of the expertise, of the leadership capability of, this, of the organization. Here is how I've helped someone move up the ladder themselves. Here's how I've helped someone um, move to another department, you know, have another opportunity. And, you know, this is how organizations should be thinking and this is how leaders should be thinking. And mm. often it's something that gets forgotten. Love that. Harry, a lot of things that stop people from getting what they want are limiting beliefs. What would you recommend to our listeners for a way to overcome a limiting belief they might have? I'm going to come back to this notion of externalizing it. Um, okay. Because I think the vast majority of us have limiting, to, limiting beliefs to some extent about something or another, um, whether it's about anything, right? The moment you put it into words or the moment that you write it down, it, stop, it, it stops floating around in your head. Mm. And I often say to people, you know, thoughts are, are quite ethereal things. They're just zooming around in your head 
they're quite formless. They bump into other thoughts. They make false connections. They, some make sense, some don't. But the very process of, um, you know, explaining your thoughts or explaining how you might be feeling, you know, developing a limiting belief for yourself, it forces you to organize those thoughts in order to be understood by the other person. Mm. Or it forces you to organize those thoughts in order for you to write it down, right? And that process, and this is why, you know, coaching, therapy, counseling is so powerful and impactful because it is therapeutic to organize your thoughts in this way. Mm. So if you are, um, you know, if you're having a limiting belief like my team don't listen to me, they don't respect me, I would say, write that down, write that down on a piece of paper and then read those words and then really sort of look at them and analyze how true is that really? If you were to show that piece of paper to someone on your team, what would they say? How would they react to it? Um, And very quickly when I suggest that, you know, coaches will go, well, yes, now I say it. Of course I know it's not right. (laughs) And again, it's just sort of externalizing the limiting belief and getting an outside uh, perspective of it. Harry, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Well, they can uh, check out my website, which is harrymarshall.net, or email me, coach at harrymarshall.net, or you can look me up on LinkedIn or Facebook. Harry, we're coming to the end of our podcast here, and I I just want to thank you for your time and sharing your wisdom of being a coach and you're offering your insights to how leaders can be more effective with themselves and others. And I I just, I really want to say I appreciate you, brother. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed it. Really appreciate it. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Ignited Learning Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at ignited-learning.com. Thanks for listening.